Hello, and welcome to the Curious Wanderer Bible Study. Today we're going to be revisiting Genesis 16, um, the story of Hagar and Ishmael, but from a different perspective. Um, so there's a very interesting psychological phenomenon um, that can be summarized as scared people make stupid choices. Uh, I first learned about this um, as a phenomenon when discussing um, some information with a friend of mine. So it's really so universal that it's almost a law of nature. It's almost as reliable as gravity that scared people make dumb choices. The U.S. military, for instance, the CIA, uses this fact um, when rescuing hostages. So the way they go about rescuing hostages in a situation, um, their main team, uh, sorry, it's the FBI, I believe, who does this. Um, the way they go about it is very straightforward. They make the best mock they can of wherever the people are being held at. The hostages, hostages are being held. <clears throat> And they begin to um, train on rescuing the hostages in that situation, but not just in that layout. Oh, by the way, it's like really meticulously detailed down to nightstands and where lamps are placed and where people will be at most likely. They have good surveillance of the situation and they're going to take advantage of it. And then what they do is they train rescuing the hostages when the lights go out when there is a flashbang that goes off, when there's loud metal music playing, when there's all sorts of other distractions and things to overwhelm people. And they do this over and over and over again until it's just second nature to them. And it doesn't, ensue, doesn't cause any panic on the part of the rescuers. When it's finally time to rescue the hostages, they unleash all of this chaos on the hostage takers first loud music playing, lights going out, flashbangs disrupting, smoke screens. And this, the agents actually know where everything's laid out at, so they don't need to be able to see really well. Um, they'll also have night vision goggles and things like that. But they're not afraid at all. The rescuers are not afraid at all because they've trained over and over and over in this. Whereas the hostage takers completely panic and they make really bad choices and get killed. Um, and the hostages are taken safely out. It works amazingly well. And it's based on this base, this fact that scared people make dumb choices. And we see this play out in Genesis 16. Um, so I'm just going to recap where we are. So we have our main characters at this point in the Bible are Abram, Sarai, and Lot. And Lot is um, Abram's nephew, and Lot has separated from Abram at this point. They were together for a while, and now they've separated. Lot's gone towards um, Sodom um, just as a place to live, and um, Abram is still hanging out in Canaan. Now, at this point, God in chapter 15 has promised Abram this covenant that his descendants will be more numerous than the people on the earth. I'm sorry, more numerous than the stars in the sky. Sorry. And that's an amazing promise for Abram. Uh, now some time has passed, not exactly sure how much. Um, 
But some time has passed since Abram has received this promise from God. And let's just read the first few verses in um, Genesis 16. So, starting with verse 1 in the NIV version, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram believed, or sorry, agreed to what Sarai said. Okay, so this is the setup. There's been a promise made to Abram, and Sarai didn't hear it. Um, but there's been a promise made to Abram by God that he is going to have numerous, numerous descendants, but he's had none yet. And time passes, and nothing happens, and nothing happens. And so Sarai panics. She's afraid that this is never going to happen. And so she says, ah, I have a brilliant idea. I have an Egyptian slave. Why don't you sleep with her, have a child through her, and we will have a family through her. I will have a family. Sarai will have a family through this Egyptian slave. Things don't turn out well. Spoiler alert. Um, and it's not surprising at all. Um, anybody who was not panicked and was thinking clearly would see what should happen from this. Um, but they were panicked. In particular, Sarai was panicked. So let's continue on. Um, starting in verse three. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, in, in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with her and she conceived. Okay, so it's been 10 years. Long time to wait. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abram says, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. All right. So, recap. Sarai panics, says let's have a family through this slave. The slave is married now to Abram and has a child, is, conceives a child, and she suddenly despises her mistress because she feels like she's the favored person now. A very logical, natural consequence that they should have foreseen. Um, Sarai should have known she would not have a family through her slave, that the slave would actually want to be the mom and actually be the person who's part of the family. Um, but she, but Sarai had panicked and created the story in her head that this would work. And then the really interesting little twist on this is that Abram should have had a bit of a voice of reason in this because he was closer to the message of God than Sarai was. Abram actually talked to God and heard this wonderful promise. He should remember it better. It's been 10 years. Yes. But it was really his responsibility to say, oh, wait, let's pause, hit pause. Let's put a thumbtack in this one and let's just think about it. What's going to happen? What happens is the most logical consequence of the whole situation. Um, and he doesn't. 
because he's kind of panicked too, wondering, well, maybe God didn't really want me to have a child through Sarai. Um, but clearly he does. And so, but they go off, they make this panic choice, and then something really, really interesting happens. Um, so after, so we, at this point, Hagar has run away. And so, continuing in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Uh, Let's finish with um, the last bit here. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be raised against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So he's going to have a rough life. Ishmael. But he's also going to have many, many descendants. So there's a promise. Um, and so what's going on here is that the natural consequence of this poor choice is playing out. And then God intervenes to help these people. He tells Hagar, go back to Sarai. That's the place that you should be living. You have Abram there. You have family there, a sort of family. At least you have support. It's going to be tough. And you're going to have a difficult time. Um, But that's the right place for you to be. Even dysfunctional as it's going to be, it's still a family. Uh, And that's one of the most miraculous parts about this entire story is Sarai and then Abram panic and make a bad choice without thinking through the consequences of it. And God doesn't take away the consequences for them but he helps them work through the consequences. So, which gives us hope as humans here in this world that we're in with our imperfect knowledge that we will make mistakes and sometimes we will panic. We will be scared and we will make bad choices. But even when we do that, God is there to try and help us, to bring us back. And it closes um, after starting in verse 13. It's really an interesting set of verses here. She, Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So it's really an interesting personal moment here that Hagar, who has sort of been put into this really awkward position by Sarai and gone sort of the most natural way she would have of thinking of herself better and disrupting the whole dynamic there because she's been put into a new position. Um, she, God sees her. She recognizes that God sees her and sees her plight and wants to reconcile her with the people around her. So it's really this beautiful closing moment to this whole verse of sort of dysfunction and poor choices. Um, but God works always in our lives if we just take time to listen to him. Okay. Thank you for your time and see you next time.